Well, I'm glad to be back. Man, let's get to it, though. Let's What's up? It. It's your boy, D. Starks. Starks the artist. You are now tuned in to the Just Different Podcast, where we talk everything faith, life, and culture. We're getting into it. Man. We're back for the we first day of December, the last month of the year. We're closing it out. This is absolutely insane. I don't know how I feel about this year within itself in terms of if it went too fast or too slow. This go around has felt like a lifetime for me, at least. I don't know, man. It's felt like a little bit of both. It's, it's been like six, <laughs> six of the months were really fast and six of them were really slow. I think that is probably a mix of both. No, I yeah, it felt yeah. like I didn't remember a lot from this year. I felt like I was kind of almost not necessarily going through the motions, but it was just like back to back to back. But I'm super excited for the rest of this month and honestly just to get into 2024. But Whatever we were thinking about today and what we wanted to talk about, honestly, we have scraped the bottom of the surface with a lot of different topics and conversations that we want to have. I feel like we went through a lot this year. And so when I was thinking about it recently, I've been going back through the podcast itself just for myself to kind of always just get caught up, remember where we came from and yeah. I always get that feeling of nostalgia, but also just because we were cleaning up a lot of the back catalog. And I was listening to our first ever episode today and it correlated so much to something that I heard last night. And it was something that I knew that I needed to share, but it was one of those times. I don't know if anyone else writes journals or maybe documents your own thoughts in some way, but when you go back and you consume that particular moment or different times when, when you're looking back at it and it's literally speaking to you again and ministering to you, that's what I felt like listening back to that podcast and the conversation we were having. Yeah. And the base of all of this conversation really starts with a question. And it is, why don't you live like God loves you? Because it's something that we hear, we say we know, but do we really understand? And I think the best barometer for that at any time in our life is the way in which we live, how we respond and interact to God, particularly in moments of discouragement, when we feel disappointed, when we're feeling shame, condemnation of any form. And That's really a lot of what I wanted to get into and talk about, especially for those who may be dealing with that kind of coming into this last month of the year or just in general, this idea of God's love and what response that should provoke in us and how it's not something that we need to run away from. Because like I said, we've heard this growing up, uh, you know, in Sunday schools or whether through our parents or even other people, if we weren't grown up in faith of the idea that the John 3.16, like God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Or, you know, the the song we used to sing. Jesus loves me, yes, I know. Hey, cause Bible <laughs> Yo, that actually went crazy. For real. And so, although this has been something that's so embedded in our brain, I think it's always another struggle or step for us to actually begin to walk that out, especially when we're dealing with moments where the last thing we want to do is run to God. And we feel as if his love is the last thing we can actually tap into access or is even present for us. So that's where I was thinking. And something I've had to challenge myself with now is like, why don't I live like God loves me? And then really getting to the root of, do I really believe that he does? 
So that that'll be the totality of it. And ironically, speaking of love, something that I was thinking about yesterday after I got out of the shower when it came to just myself and I was thinking about the podcast is the fact that mm. next year I really want to operate from a place of love and not fear. In the sense of I think a lot of this year I was operating from a place of scarcity in a sense of I was afraid that I would fall off or I was in fear of how is this going to perform, how are people going to respond to this. And it left me just being in this cycle of performance pressure, anxiety, and I wasn't able to just enjoy where I was at and where my feet were planted. Mm-hmm. And next year, my goal is to do extremely better at just like operating from love with anything that I do, especially when it comes to this podcast of love for everyone who listens, love for what I have the opportunity and the ability to do, love for the conversation, love for the topic, love for just being able to know God more and deeply and then in turn make him known to people, love for just the platform that's been given, love for my gift, just love, right? And I I think that's what I really want to hone in on myself that I feel like I could have done a better job at this year. But I say all that to say Spotify rap came out. And honestly, this is low key my favorite part of the year. I had almost really forgot about it because it just slipped my mind. And on both ends, seeing mine, but also seeing just the podcast, everyone sharing it, like it is such a blessing. I don't think y'all realize like what that does to us, just seeing everyone who's tuned in, supported, seeing like the top one, two percent of people who've listened to probably almost every episode. Right. And that means the world. So I just wanted to say that we love y'all. Real talk. And we only are able to continue to do this because the way you all support and tune in and share. And I'm glad, again, just from the place of love I want to operate from, it's like the community that we're being able to build. And it's honestly amazing. That's a privilege. So no, no, most definitely. I think it's, it's, it's always, it always brings me back to a place of remembrance, remembering, you know, maybe even my first why, you know, when we got into it, remembering the privilege of it. Um, it always brings me back to that place. Anytime we hear stuff along the lines like this, hearing people's testimonies, hear, hearing how it's affected people and now just seeing even, you know, where people are listening and the, and, and the amount of people are listening and the people who are supporting to the max. It's like it always it always humbles me really. And it always makes me very grateful for, for what we're doing. So like Darren said, just double down. We appreciate double y'all. Down. Just a double down. <laughs> we appreciate y'all so much. I'm right Always. Here, like, I, I y'all know what it is. Yeah, yeah, much yeah. love to the end for else. But with all of that, we really just wanted to show our love, our gratitude and appreciation for each and every one of y'all and the way you have supported throughout the year and, just SO to Spotify rap because I think it's genius. I love seeing really? it and it's just amazing. So getting deeper into it of this idea or a question I'm asking myself, challenging everyone with is why don't I live like God loves me? And do I really believe that he does? I think that a lot of times in our walk and what I was listening to in the first episode that I said that I found myself in repeatedly and I'm still learning. It's like, whenever we make a mistake, 
there's a misstep or we do something we know displeases God or honestly just disappoints ourselves, we tend to run from the very thing we should be running to. And that's always interesting because when we talk about the love we say God has for us, the grace that we try to comprehend to some degree, it's extremely backwards from the way we should be approaching these things and how we should be going before the throne. And the biggest thing that I wanted to tap into is the fact that we can be in our walk with God having this victim mentality and this perspective that we are less than and almost just an impoverished type of and and almost a poverty mentality when it comes to the view of ourselves, who we are and what God calls us to. And whenever we are having or feeling these moments of discouragement or disappointment, we feel as if we're so unworthy, we're not called. And that just reflects in everything that we do. And I was ultimately reminded of this and wanted to bring it up because I was reading something last night, or rather it was read to me and it spoke directly to a lot of kind of what I was feeling in the moment, a lot of residual things that I was like working through myself from like, just honestly, the this past year, two or three years that is somewhat still coming up. Yeah. And it was the parable of the lost son, which I have listened mm-hmm. to read and heard a million times. But for whatever reason, as I'm listening to this last night, all the way through, it spoke directly right. to me and it needed no explanation. It was just like the words came off the page in this particular parable for the first time. Yeah. But I'll go ahead and read it. And this is Luke 15, starts in verse 11 through 32. So it said, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled with great compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And so I guess for me, this is more of a message of encouragement more than anything. I think that at times, me include a lot of us, me included, have this mentality coming to the Father when it mentions 
in terms of what it mentions in verse 21. And I think this is why I saw myself in this so much because I had just had a conversation and I was saying the same thing. Uh, yeah. We were talking about how, honestly, just a lot of like my work ethic. And then we talked about this in the conversation we had about procrastination, about mm. the fact that essentially no one acts on what they don't believe. And I was basically explaining like, yo, like why I haven't necessarily been as diligent or hard or I haven't been as diligent or had the ethic that I usually do have and or want. And it was because of a lot of these just thoughts of being less than, not being worthy, feeling as if I've taken myself away from the promise and not being qualified at all. And literally coming back to the father saying, mm. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And I think that obviously what we see in the father's response just points to the love that God has. And yeah. what we mentioned in the first episode that we said we were going to put on a shirt, <laughs> which would be fire still. Right. But it was God doesn't love, God loves you, period. Right, like God doesn't love you if he doesn't love right. you when, nor does he love you because he loves you, period. period. And I think that the response of the father is exemplifies that particular phrase and why it kind of came full circle mm-hmm. for me from reading this last night and listening to the episode because you can see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I've noticed time and time again, he doesn't even react, respond, or acknowledge. <laughs> This particular idea that he is no longer worthy, Mm -hmm. right? And he shows through action, right? He brings the robe on, puts the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet, which also signifies the fact that you never made yourself worthy. It brings to life that sentiment even more, that God is the one who qualifies, values, and puts the worth on who we are. And since his view of that never changes, nor should ours. And so, yes, it was brought to life to me again. And I wanted to relay that once again, because it's just in my mind, fresh, and Mm -hmm. I felt it was important. But I was just listening to the Joe Budden podcast, which I don't listen to that pod too often, but it was the one they had with Tyrese. He's an R&B singer. They had him on, on his podcast. And they were talking about or kind of speaking to this idea that love is transactional. And I feel that is the way that we've been conditioned to think. And in even some some ways that it's been shown to us in our own lives. So that's why when we get into our relationship with God, it's, it is so hard to grasp his love for us sometimes because it's not transactional at all. It's period. Like you said, it's not if you do this or if you don't do that, you have to get to the point where you understand his love, but not only understand it, but understand your need for it as well. But I do think that's a reason why it can be so difficult to to accept it. But I love how th- I've been reading in Luke and this whole entire chapter is Luke 15. And in this gospel, there's three parables that Jesus teaches in this chapter. And they're all pointing to this, this idea of the return in, in a way, right? Mm. So- I'm gonna read. I'm literally gonna read all of them. It, there's two, only two. It's the lost sheep and it's the lost coin, right? So it says Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. 
doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he does find it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends. I like that part. Like it specifies, like he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. Right. Mm, says the, the return. The return. There's another one, another one, the parable of the lost coin. So then he goes on to say this, or, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends again, calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So literally this whole entire chapter, he's speaking the parables about the return. Right. And guess how? Notice how it always ended. It always ended with rejoicing and not just, and it's not just God that's rejoicing because that's the parallel we're making between us and our relationship with God. When we return to him, it's not just him who's rejoicing. It's it's a whole all legion of, of angels. It's all mm-hmm. of heaven, right? It's not just him. That's why it's specified in literally all of the parables, the lost sheep, he got all of his friends. He gathered everyone, right? He went back home. He gathered everyone. Rejoice with me. I found my sheep. The coin, it says she went to her friends, gathered everyone. Rejoice with me. I found my coin. And the prodigal son, a whole feast, invited everyone. Yo, rejoice. My son has returned. So it's, there's a rejoicing in heaven because I was speaking to how we're conditioned to think that God's love is conditional. And I, this whole chapter is God saying, Nah, <laughs> I feel like this, no real talk. I feel this whole nah. chapter got saying nah, like it's his it's his defense. Like no, bro, like that's not how it works. Three parables. This was a message he wanted to make sure that they knew, and I believe he was speaking to Pharisees specifically because you know how they was. They was like, oh, he's hanging out with sinners, but he wanted to make sure this was a message they understood, and it's a message that we also need to understand as well. But. I'm glad you brought that up because I was ju- I just read that literally two days ago. So the return. Wow. The idea of the return. And I think that's what we struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. And to put it or rather condense it, consolidate it, make it concise. That's literally the idea or the process or the sentiment is mm-hmm the return <laughs> I feel, <laughs> and i believe in every situation every scenario and every moment all god wants is us to come back home yeah i think what he's saying is he just wants us to return and in that like our repentance always produces rejoicing and i believe that's the shift and mentality and the disconnect that's there. I believe that sometimes whenever we have grieved God, the spirit that's within us and fallen short of what he wants from us and even the standard that we've set for ourselves, it's the idea that once we've recognized that and have really made a decision that it's not something we want to continue in. We have to understand what the response is going to be Mm. because a lot of people aren't real with what they go through, what has happened or what they're currently 
dealing with because of how people are going to receive them. Like it's all about the fear of what the response is going to be. And if you're going to treat me any differently because of X. And so Mm -hmm. once we understand that God's response is (laughs) always the same and Mm -hmm. it it doesn't vary, it doesn't fluctuate and it's not going to be, you know, solid one day and it may shift the next and continually getting over our own feelings of how we feel and not putting that on God, that's when we can kind of really start to step into that grace and the love that he has in this totality with no fear and no hesitation and not feeling yeah. like to walk on eggshells. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, for me, that's what I've had to do around God. Not necessarily I've had to do, but I've put on myself mm-hmm. that wasn't even necessary. And he's trying to tell me, yo, it's okay. Like you're safe here in every way possible. Yeah. That's, that's a very big part of it is not bowing to how you feel about it, but recognizing the truth of it point blank period. And on top of that, I mentioned earlier very briefly, but I I mentioned understanding your need for his love and common theme right now in my life. Something God's been teaching me is just our dependence on him. And I think this is a part that plays into this conversation as well. A part of it is understanding his love. Yes. Cause some of us just don't understand it. But I think once you get to a point where you, where you get it and you get what we're talking about, like it's not conditional. Some people are still missing out because they don't understand their need for it. I think that's also a very important aspect to tap into as well, because practically speaking, like if I'm trying to think like if I need water and I know I need that to survive, regard, like if I think I don't deserve, like I'm still going to get water. I don't know if that makes sense. Like if I, if I need water and I know I need it, right. I know I need the water. Say I wake up one day and I'm like, I don't know. Like I'm undeserving of water. There's so many other people who need water. I'm still going to do whatever I can to try to get some water or try to get food, whatever the necessity is. But the point being, I think in our own personal lives here on earth, if we need something, we are going to get it. If we need, if we need something, we understand we need it. We're going to do whatever we can to get it. And I feel like it has to be the same in our spiritual lives, right? But a lot of us don't understand our need for his love because if we truly understood our necessity for his love, we would never be far from it. Even, even if you sin and messed up, right? You did something that you feel God is displeased with. In that moment, if you understand, I might, this, this moment might have separated me from him because of my sin, but I understand I still need his love. It's my oxygen. I can't live without it. You're going to repent and you're going to run to him. If you genuinely understand that you need it, I, I was reading in, well, this is in Mark. This is a Mark. No, it's in Luke as well, but I looked it up and this, this is, I'm just going to read the one in Mark. It's Mark 10 15. And it says, whoever does not receive and welcome the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And this is a verse I read before, but in my new Bible, there's a commentary at the bottom. So I read it and he was basically speaking to the dynamic of an infant, like, like a little child, like a baby and a parent. And he was saying what, what this verse is trying to get at is the only thing that, that it, that a little kid brings to the table in that dynamic is its complete dependence and weakness. That's the only thing it had. Think about a baby that's just now born. It can't even help itself, right? 
that baby is completely dependent on its caretaker, father, mother. So he's saying in that same way, we have to recognize that in our spiritual lives. If you do not recognize that you are a baby that is helpless and weak without God, (laughs) you're not going to survive, bro. Like, that's what it's saying. You cannot accept or walk into the kingdom unless you recognize I'm a baby. Like, I, I bring nothing to the, to God's table, but my weakness and my dependence on him. Right. I.e. also his love, like, you know, bringing that to this conversation. So when I read that, I'm like, yeah, that really just speaks to the importance of depending on him. And I feel like that's also a very important part of it. Cause like I said, think about anything else in your life. If you know you need it, you're going to get it. So if you're not running to his love, it's just because there's a disconnect somewhere and you don't recognize your need for it. So that's a part of it too, is, is, is understanding it, but also understanding that you need it. It's your oxygen. You need it. It's necessary. That's real. And it's interesting because I've always approached that verse from, or that idea of entering the kingdom or rather having a mentality of an infant from the place mm-hmm. of imagination and faith, right? In terms of you need, there, there's no way to please God outside of having faith and in order to one, believe in what he's done, the reality of who he is, that's the necessity and foundation of the walk. But simultaneously, in the same way that you say it, it doesn't just stop there in terms of the way we should be thinking, approaching God. It's faith in him to the point of understanding that he is the ultimate provider Mm -hmm. and our one and only need. Yeah. And so it's it's an idea of approaching the kingdom childlike in a um approaching the kingdom as an infant in terms of the childlike faith we need right and also the childlike necessity we mm. need to have for God as well yeah. and that's in our everyday. So that makes sense because mm. my next point which is going to be the fact that it wasn't you and <laughs> it was never you. Right. In terms of when the lost son comes home, he's the one that puts the value on him. Yep. It was never yours to begin with. It was never yours to determine. It was never yours to decide. God chose you. And with that being said, there's nothing else that can take that away from you. And so sometimes we believe that we were the ones that made ourselves worthy or gave ourselves our salvation. So whenever we mess up, we felt that we had the strength Mm -hmm. to disrupt God's plan for our life or that we have enough power in our own individuality to change his perception of us. And that's far from the case. And that's something I'm still working on. Um, and, and I've, I've, I feel like I've been able to grow in it, just realizing yeah. that it was never me and it never will be. And mm-hmm. since it is him and him alone, that's something that I can trust in. And mm-hmm. that, that's a character I know will never change. So nice. I believe that that makes a lot of sense to me. Most definitely. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm glad you said that about the, the infant, like the, the kid perspective because i feel like there's a lot of lessons that can be taken from that dynamic because it 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 says yeah because it reads whoever does not receive and welcome the kingdom of god like a child will not enter it at all 
So yeah, I don't know. I, I like that. I'm gonna sit with that a little bit more after the episode, but I'm just thinking right now in this moment, there's so much to be learned from that because literally think about a child and a parent. The child is dependent on the parent for its provision, right? The child's dependent for literally everything, food, clothes. It's completely dependent. The child's completely dependent on the caretaker. The child is completely, I guess, you know, fresh in a way that is the the kid's mind has been unaffected or renewed in a way in, in this context and hasn't been perverted and it's and it's 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 pure and yeah so i'm just thinking about that these are all things that we are when we when we become believers right and it's that that same dynamic is there with god yeah i don't know i just feel like there's a lot there's a lot there there's a lot there yeah and i think one of the last things is just you know, one I, one thing I wanted to make sure I added was don't take our word for it and look at the Bible itself and honestly just search. This is something that I've done, what the Bible says about God's love for mm-hmm. us and look through the plethora of verses, stories, and references of honestly the foundation for why all of this has happened and why we're still here today. Yeah. And there's a few verses that I'll mention that I won't go through, but first John four, nine through 10, Ephesians two, four through five, Jeremiah 31, three, and first John four, seven and eight, just to name a few. And I want to speak to first John four verses seven and eight that says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And it's the idea that love is from God. And essentially, we can never let anyone or anything define what it didn't create. And to your earlier point of the struggle of love is how it's always been presented to us. And now having to reorient ourselves to understand what it really is in the eyes of God, because it is him that created it. Like There is no love that doesn't yeah. exist within us, within the world, if not for him. It's the essence of who right. he is. Therefore, it should be defined solely from how he operates in it, how he interacts with it, and how he is walking that out with us. Mm-hmm. And so deeper study into that and even the temptation to believe that his love could ever even be as fallible as ours it's just what we need to continue to push back on we continue to push back on and just replace with the reality of who he is mm-hmm. so yeah so no yeah that's that's the one like i said this is like I guess a different iteration of episode one to bring it full circle. Mm-hmm. What do we, I guess this is like 152. I mean, I guess we really didn't celebrate the fact that we got like 150 episodes out, oh, which is didn't. crazy. We should. It has been should've. an insane year. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's, you know, it's only going to get, it's only up. So only up from here. y'all know what it is. Stay you, stay real and stay humble. We'll catch y'all next week. Much love.